Hey team of Eternal Optimists, it's Matt Drinkon here. And before we launch into today's epic conversation, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. My brand new book is coming out on March 8th. And perhaps even better news, you can get it for only 99 cents on Amazon that day. We don't run ads on the show. And if you ever want to give back and support the Eternal Optimist community, go to Amazon on March 8th and get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome to The Eternal Optimist Podcast. My name is Matt Drinkon, and I am an eternal optimist, one who plays offense in life, who takes challenges and learns from them, who's always doing their best to continue to bring value to this world, to bring a positive influence to the world, see things through a positive lens. Thank you for being here, my friends. Before we get started, I want to encourage you, you can connect with me on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Eternal Optimist Podcast. Also, I do a live stream every morning, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, and most Saturdays at the same time, where I delve into such subjects as casting a vision, being the best parent you can be, being the best spouse you can be, showing up every day, ready to play offense in life, and a number of other various serious and not so serious things to help us get into each day with a little bit of eternal optimism. Today's episode is all about our stuff, stuff that we have inside of us. All of us have some stuff. What's the definition of stuff? It's the hard things that challenge us, that might keep us up at night, that might keep us uh, crying or feeling less than or feeling not enough. It's the stuff, right? So today we're going to talk about the stuff and it's important because all of us have it. The angle you're going to hear today, I'll just go ahead and dive right in. Our next guest, get ready for an informative deep dive into what happens to someone when the script runs out. What happens when one achieves everything they set out for? For example, business success in the form of a real estate empire or family success in the form of a healthy, happy family of children, healthy, happy husband, successful husband. When the bar is set so high and it feels like a pressure cooker inside, when one has given all they've got willingly and intentionally towards their family and their career, what happens when they have no more to give? Our amazing and vulnerable guest, Alice Daly, shares what that loneliness felt like, how she approached it with therapy, with coaching, how she learned to stop saying things are fine. And she started telling herself the truth, that they were not fine. She weaves a tale of adventure, a tale of how when COVID happened, the family were together in an RV, she shares how she reconstructed her life so that she's really in tune with what gives her energy. She shares powerfully a method to create space for oneself. And she challenges herself and our listeners to ask themselves the question, how fully are you living your life right now? Alice plays offense for herself and all those around her on how to take control of their own lives. When we recorded this in December of 2022, her book just came out, Magic Mom, chronicling how to raise entrepreneurial daughters. It's a great read and a necessary one to help us all realize that we as parents are modeling something for our kids. What is it? 
whatever angle you come at today, whether you're a parent, whether you have a significant other, whether you're someone that is feeling sometimes a little bit empty inside because you're giving it all out there every day, this is a conversation for you to hear a very real transparent woman who is at the pinnacle of success share what was really happening inside and how she overcame. I hope you enjoy this episode today with my friend Alice Daly. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. And without any further ado, I would like to welcome to the show, Alice Daly, the magic mom herself. Alice, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Matt. I'm so good. So excited to have a really great conversation today. Oh, absolutely fired up. From the day that I met you at your home in Texas, when we came down there for the Front Row Dads event, and you were there, your energy in a very positive way, it was overpowering to me. Just I felt there was a light, there was a fountain of youth or energy there. And come to find out, Alice wrote a book. So before I even knew you wrote this book, Magic Mom, your energy was already very positive. So it was a very good experience to meet you. And I'm excited to dive in with you today and look at what you're creating in the world, talk about your book, but also you're successful in what you do. And every success story has got a backstory, an origin story of challenge. And I'd love to start with challenge and look at some point in your life, you can go yesterday or you can go back to the very beginning and share with us what's one of those challenges you've experienced, Alice, that's been transformational for you. Well, let's start off by saying there are many that I could choose from. <laughs> like we could go days on the challenges. The one that I'd love to talk about is one that I'm very vocal about now. It started to happen in 2018, and it was really the acknowledgement actually started to happen in 2018, but there was so much leading up to it. And that was there's this idea that we're all kind of the same in a lot of ways of like we all go to school graduate from high school for most of us. And then there's like a series of things that happens after that. There's some version of maybe go to college, maybe get a job, maybe get married, maybe have a kid, maybe start a career in some order, right? Everybody kind of follows that script. And then the script runs out. There's a societal script where you get to a day where the page is blank. And for me, it happened in 2015. Seth and I got married really young. We were 21, 22, right out of college. I started working right away. He was finishing up his master's degree. He went and worked at a CPA firm. We're working our way up these ladders. And then we decided to get into real estate. The big team, we had moved from Chicago to Baltimore at that point. We built a real estate team. And from the outside, we built it through the recession. And people are looking at us like, wow, like, that's really amazing. And through this, I got my real estate license when I was pregnant with our second, and we now have four kids. We just churned it out. I mean, we were just a machine. And 2015 rolls around, we've opened a Keller Williams office. And on the outside, it was like, you guys have like the life, a beautiful house, nice cars, we can travel, we can kind of do what we want. And inside, I was so empty. Why? I didn't know. Right. So I was like, okay, well, now what? I feel like I've reached this top of the ladder. We're selling 200 houses a year. We're working with great people. 
that I felt like I couldn't even complain. But yet inside, like, I know this doesn't feel good. So there's this incongruency happening. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I just need to try doing some different things. And so I tried doing some other stuff. When I say try doing some other stuff, I just decided to have a year of yes, where it was like, I had some women invite me to go climb Kilimanjaro. Well, I'll go do that. I'll do this and I'll do this. I just started doing some random different stuff. And all the while I'm continuing to work, but internally, like I would get to the office and just feel like I was going to like a pressure cooker, kind of going to explode. I didn't know who to talk to. Again, I didn't want to complain because everything was really good. And there was a day (laughs) we had just come back from Costa Rica. It was November, 2018. We had just come back. I walked into my office. I had a glass door and the tears wouldn't stop. And I was like, all right, Alice, pull together, pull together. And I couldn't, it was the first time that the tears, I just couldn't stop them. And I didn't know what they were about. I just knew life is not working. I am so unhappy. I'm just so down. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to talk to. I'd never felt more lonely in my entire life. And everything on the outside was quote unquote perfect. And I remember Seth asked me, he's like, is it the work or is it living in Baltimore? Is it the marriage? And my answer was yes to all of it. Answer was just yes all of it. I just wanted to strip everything away. And I'm just like, I don't even know how I got here. It was kind of that like groundhog, like working, 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 like burrowing underground. And like you pop your head up one day and you're like, how did I get here? This is not what I thought my life was going to look like. And I think it happens to a lot of us. Well, thank you for making it relatable for us. Because I think a lot of us can probably relate to this, that there's this thing you're supposed to do. And once you've done it, then what? You've done a lot of these things. You've been successful in the business, in marriage, having a family. And now it's led to this feeling. I think so many of us are grateful for you to share this because it's not spoken by many people, especially many people who have had some kind of success. They don't share this openly. So thank you for sharing this. Please continue on where you're at that moment. Yeah. So I think that busy is a way that we behave so we don't have to feel. I think it's a drug just like anything else, right? Like if I walked around my office with like a handle of Tito's, like, and you saw me, you'd probably get me some help. And yet with busy, we're rewarded for busy. So in my career, I was rewarded every time I would be busy. Like, oh, Alice, like you got, you just have so much business coming in or, you know, you're doing this, you're doing that. Like, oh my gosh. Like there's this aspiration to be where I was. And I'm like, like, I don't want to be here. And now I'm perpetuating for other people the same sort of thing. Like, you know, you see people speak on stages. You're like, oh, I want a business like them. I want to do things like they're doing it. And the more I got behind the scenes, more I would see people and get to know them. It was like, oh my gosh, they don't want to be them. Why am I trying to be them when they don't even want to be them? That was where I got to. The season hits and I literally just stopped going into the office. It was like, put me in a rocking chair. I don't even know what I did, but I didn't even know how to be still. I didn't know how to be with my own thoughts. I was afraid to be with my own feelings because then I have to do something with them. I was so busy taking care of everybody else that I didn't know what I wanted. You know, because Seth, he was so gracious and he was like, well, what do you want? I didn't even know what to tell him because I didn't know what I wanted. I was so out of touch with who I was because my whole life to that point had been about serving our family and serving the business that I felt so lost. And I didn't even know how to come back to myself in that moment. Uh, pause for a moment because what you're sharing is so real and transparent. And for many people out there, there's probably two different types of listeners that might be hearing this. Some are really getting it and connecting and understanding what you're sharing. And some are like, well, you're successful. Why would you complain? 
And I can tell you from experience and coaching a lot of the people that might be in that echelon of success, that it's not always the roses are always red, the grass is always greener, and everything is bright and shiny. The fundamental of who am I and what's my purpose, if that's not solved, if that's something that we think this is it, so we go grind it, and we get rewarded for being busy and when you're busy, you're really good at whatever it is you're choosing to do. You just keep becoming more successful. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're finding you. How do we define success? Like, is more better? It seems that it is in our society nowadays. And I think we need to start redefining what means to us. Because success doesn't just mean more money or having more stuff. What does it mean to be successful? I think we've failed to define it. I don't think it can be defined universally because I think it's what's important to you. And I think we judge a lot of people based on choices they've made when actually they're much happier because they're not caught up in all of this stuff. So time was just about deconstructing so that I could come back to who I was and rebuild a life that I actually wanted to have. And I remember the moment I picked up the phone and I started with a counselor and she's like, this is going to be really hard work. Are you sure you want to do it? You don't have to. I was like, well, that's interesting. I don't have to do this work. Like I could actually continue perpetuating this. But if I was going to go do this work and deconstruct everything to rebuild it up, I chose to believe that there was going to be something way better on the other side. But I knew it wasn't going to be short and it wasn't going to be easy. But I chose to believe that it was going to be worth it. And I'm glad I made that choice. So that in 2015, when you had that feeling and you had the conversation with Seth and you start to talk to someone who will be important in your journey, you made the commitment that you want to dive in. You want to find you or reinvent. What was hard in that moment when you made the commitment? So the commitment for me was about telling the truth. Alice, just start telling the truth about what you're feeling. Don't sweep things under the rug. Oh, it's okay. It's fine. I didn't acknowledge it though until three, four years later. I knew something was off 2015, but it wasn't 2018, 2019, right? That it starts to, now I'm going to do something. I'm going to speak it out loud that this isn't working for me because I was so afraid to say that life as I knew it wasn't working because I knew how many people it would affect. And I was scared because I didn't want to like rock the boat for Seth or my kids or my office or my team because everybody depended on me. And a lot of people's worlds were about to be rocked. Was I worth it? Was my own joy worth it to do that? And I finally chose me getting healthy. It was a fabulous decision, but there was nothing easy about it. What was hard about that point when you made that commitment, that decision to go all in and find you, reinvent you? My counselor, she's like, Alice, fine is just the Christian F word. (laughs) So I started looking for all the places I would say fine. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Oh, right. So start listening for it in conversation when you hear people say, yeah, it's fine. No, it's not. It's really not. There was just so much uncertainty at that point of like, okay, I'm going to tell the truth because I didn't have answers. It was a period of asking more questions that just didn't have answers. I had to go back and like, okay, Alice, really, what are your core values? I feel like my core values, well, I feel like they should be like love and family and okay, but they're not. Those are my aspirational values, like maybe values that I think I should hold, but I actually have different values. What are they in this season? How do I live a life in alignment? And there was something for me around, you know what? We've talked about moving for the longest time and I feel trapped in Baltimore. This isn't where I wanted to live. So is this, okay, we'll wait till all the kids graduate and then we get to go move? That's an option. But that felt like death to me because at the time, I mean, our youngest was five. So 
for like another 13 years and then we can think about moving, that feels terrible. Like these are some prime years of my life. Like I don't get to move. I'm like, so acknowledging for me, my environment wasn't working. I really wanted to move south and I wanted warm weather and I wanted a change of an environment. So telling the truth about how important that was to me. And that felt really scary because we're in residential real estate. No realtors that just move for the heck of it and restart their business. We had built something really big. And I'm like, so I'm starting to ask these questions that the answers felt scary. Okay, what if you move and business dries up? What if you move and you don't want to restart? What if you move and financially you're restarting all, all over? Like, oh my gosh, I don't like any of those answers. So I think we don't like what the answers could be. Like we just hesitate. We just stop asking questions. But I was like, nope, we're going to keep asking the questions there's going to be a breakthrough on the other side of this and we'll figure it out. And I'll shortcut to the part where it was like, we started asking these really hard questions and there was another family. They were in Pennsylvania and they're like, yeah, we're actually um, moving to Austin to send our kids to the acting Academy. I'm like, you're doing what? And they were in real estate as well. And I don't get jealous often, but I remember like nudging Seth and saying, if they can do it, could we do it too? Can we open that conversation? Because one of my things that I said yes to that I was trying out was we got franchise rights to open an acting academy in Baltimore, which was a schooling option we really liked for our kids, but it didn't exist in Baltimore. So I thought, well, I'll open a school. Like that'll be my next thing. That feels responsible and a good thing to do. And the closer I got to opening the school, I was like, I don't want a job and I don't want to plant myself more in a place that I don't actually want to live long-term. What am I doing? So when our friends said, you know, hey, yeah, this is what we're going to do. I was like, oh my gosh, I hadn't considered that possibility. Like, could we move and could we do it that soon? And the pain of staying actually became greater than the thought of, okay, to heck with it. What if we have to start over? I'm willing to bet on myself now. We'll figure it out. Because I started to see that the joy that was on the other side of like how I would think about, oh my gosh, if we lived in Austin, that'd be kind of cool. And okay, what's the worst that could happen? We get an apartment, we try it for a year, it doesn't work out and we move back. I would love to be able to tell our kids, hey, we tried it. It didn't work. And we came back. But to live with the regret of never trying, I wasn't willing to do that. I can feel there's an energy shifting here. You're starting to get excited about the move and you're asking yourself questions where maybe old Alice or the way we've been conditioned would have been, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. And it makes sense for the kids and I'll give up for them more. But you're thinking this is not giving up for the kids. The energy shifting to this is for all of us. Please continue. I feel there's a really positive energy shifting here. Carl Jung said the greatest burden on a child is the unlived life of a parent. And for moms in particular, well, I think for any parent, if you asked, hey, what do you want for your kids? I think we'd all say, well, I want them to be happy. So then I turn that question to other moms, like, hey, well, what is your mom like? Would you describe her as happy? And try it as an experiment, asking other people what they saw. Because I started asking that question, like, is your mom somebody you describe as happy? And most people will be like, oh my gosh, no. She always put herself last. Kind of a martyr mentality, eating the crumbs, not making time for herself. She wasn't happy, but she wanted me to be happy. If mom's not going to model it, how will the next generation ever change? Part of doing all of this was, hey, this is a move primarily for mom and mom deserves it. And I'm really fortunate to be married to somebody that would say those words because I wouldn't have said them for myself. I didn't feel worthy of making the move for, but he's like, this is worth it. If this is what you want, this is worth it. Now, the school was here for the kids, and that was something that as a family we wanted, but we also didn't want them to feel the pressure of, hey, if the school doesn't work out, this move isn't about you. You don't have to take that on. Now, fortunately, they all love it, and it's turned out to be 
an amazing opportunity for all of our kids and ask any one of the six of us now, what do you think about the move? They're like, we just wish we had done it sooner. So September 2019, we made the move right before COVID. Right before COVID, you made the move. And our origin of the challenge, really, you started to feel this way in 2015. But in 2018 is when you decided to start to discover, reinvent Alice. And then a year later, in September 2019, you made the move. We were in Austin. We were like bouncing between Airbnbs and hotels until we got the apartment. I mean, it was messy. Seth was flying back to Baltimore, like literally every week. I mean, everything was so fragile. Like Seth and I, our relationship, completely fragile. Like don't breathe too hard. Like it's going to break. That's how hard it was as I look back. And yet I know that there wasn't a moment in there that I was like, I'm really glad we're trying this. I don't know if it's going to work. I want it to work. Don't know if it's going to work. So again, it was just holding everything with just this open hand of the journey is in the adventure. One of our family core values is adventure. We clung to the core value of adventure. It's all an adventure and it's all an experiment. We're trying it out. Um, COVID happens. So when COVID happens, we're like, oh, shoot, now what? We're in an apartment. I can't have all of you at home while I'm coaching So why don't we go back to Baltimore for two weeks to flatten the curve? And so we flew back to Baltimore. We still had a house. As we all know, it wasn't two weeks. And so we ended up staying there for a couple months. We tried to get out of our lease in Austin because we didn't know like what was going to happen. We couldn't get out of our lease. And then a couple months into COVID, we start to realize people don't actually need to see us anymore. Like now that we're here, we can't see anybody. That's interesting. Let's go back. So in June, we flew back to Austin, all of us. And we get to Austin and we're like, well, there's no reason we actually need to be here either. So we got in the van and we drove up to Montana and Idaho, where Seth's family is in Montana. And we're like, let's hang out here for a little bit. Went to have coffee with a friend. And we're like, you know, one of these days we want to rent an RV and just kind of like go down the Pacific coast. And he's like, you know, we've got one in our yard that we don't use. Here are the keys. Why don't you take it and go? And we had only packed to be in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho for three days. But we're like, yeah, let's go. So in the middle of COVID, we take the RV that we borrowed from a friend and we go down the coast of Oregon. We go into California. We go back up. The kids wanted to see the original Starbucks at Pike's Place. So we had a 32-foot RV downtown Seattle. COVID is the only time where you could ever possibly take a 32-foot RV downtown Seattle. The memories that were made that summer because we went on this adventure were amazing. And I will tell you, I know COVID brought a lot of things for a lot of people for us it saved our family because we were just together again. Just like, oh, these are fun things. We enjoy doing these things together. And we had an opportunity to have conversations about what do we want from life? Not, okay, here's what life is. How do we squeeze these parts into these little holes? Not how do we make it work? How do we live life on the terms that we want to live it on? And so we made the move to Austin. I was like, well, I can't sell real estate if I'm going to be here full time. So I got into real estate coaching. And it also freed up time for me to be able to write, which is what I really wanted. Because the idea for the book came, it came in 2018. And I'm like, it's always been on my bucket list to write a book. I didn't know what on. But in 2018, when I started to free up this time to be able to take care of myself, I started to go get regular massages. Because I'm the kind of person who go get a massage and I'd be like, my mind is going so fast. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm here because I'm not even really enjoying it because my mind is just going. But I made it a discipline. I'm just going to go and make it more of a habit because I was just so out of touch with my feelings and my body and I'm just going to go. And it was in one of those times I went to get a massage that whatever the alpha, beta, whatever state that you get into that you're not awake, but you're not asleep. I was in there 
and the whole concept of the book, all of it right then there. Katie was my massage. I was like, Katie, here you go. Got to run, get into the car. And I just start voice recording because I wanted to make sure I think this is all real. Let me just get it out. And I say this, that this happened, you know, really quick. It didn't happen quickly. This was months of like reading books and listening to podcasts that I never made time for meditation, just to sit in some open space because I had had no margin in my life to allow any creativity to happen. This was the whole busy was a drug that I just kept popping more busy pills. But when I started to open up the space, it started as scary. And then it was like, oh my gosh, there's this whole other part of me that I didn't even know that was so asleep that had been sleepwalking for the previous 20 years. And it was like, oh, I like the energy that's over here. I like the energy that's happening. I like all of this that's going on. I was able to free up time, move into Austin. It was like, okay, I'm not making as much money, but that's okay. I've got time. And now I'm really going to dive into writing and seeing what's there. Yeah. So you were sleepwalking and to use that term for some time, and then you got the inspiration. You left the massage to go to the car and you voice recorded your thoughts and you had a book inside you. It was on a bucket list. You're starting to to find you. You've moved to Austin. You've had this amazing trip where it could have been the exact opposite. Many people went through COVID of people who survived, went through COVID and they were miserable the whole time. And you found a way instead of be miserable to, well, let's really connect with the family. Yeah. I love the switch there, the framework of you turn the challenging time into a gift or you turn this empty feeling into commitment to self-awareness and reinventing you. And now a quick break from our sponsor. Today's sponsor of the Eternal Optimist podcast is Donut Boy 72. With a five-star review, Donut Boy 72 said, This is really a great show. I've taken some incredible advice. Sometimes a whole theme, sometimes just a little nugget from each episode. Really well done. Keep the great guests and insightful questions and answers coming. Well, thank you, Donut Boy 72, for sharing that. Uh, back in August. I appreciate you. For all of you out there, a five-star rating and review would mean the world to me and our community, and we encourage you to hit the pause and do that. Five-star rating and review. Thank you, Donut Boy 72 and everyone else for your support of the show. Now, back to Alice. Please, bring us to the book. Bring us to the main course. I'm excited to hear about the book, Alice. I bought a few copies when it came out. I have one for me. Actually, there's one over there. My wife has one too. And we're believers and we're fans. So tell us all about the Magic Mom and your book. So the question that sparked the book, I remember listening to this podcast. And what's the question that people ask you about so much that you don't even think about the answer? Like it rolls off, but people continually ask you. And when the question was asked on the podcast, I'm like, oh, well, that's easy. People are always asking us, how did you raise four daughters that are curious and kind and adventurous and entrepreneurial in nature? And I was like, I could talk about that all day because we haven't gotten it all right by any means, but we've put some really cool practices into play in our family that have contributed to how they show up in the world now. And I was like, I could talk about that all day. I'm like, oh, well, there it is. There's the book. And so following those energy trails of when you start to see like, oh, this lights me up, paying attention to that. Because for the longest time, I didn't pay attention to anything that brought me energy. It was just rinse and repeat. Got to make the donuts. Got to do all the stuff just to survive and get by. 
But I think we can all in our everyday find those little things that like, what brought joy? What brought a spark of excitement? Was it a conversation about something in particular? Was it something that you read? Was it something you heard in a podcast? So just starting to tune into that little frequency, you know, of where's that energy coming from? So it came around everything that we did with our girls. And so magic being an acronym for model, affirm, grace, inquire, and coach. And it's not a how-to book like, hey, read this book and now you're going to know how to raise your kids. It's more of a, hey, let's open the conversation around being intentional with our parenting. Like, what do you want out of raising your kids? And it says entrepreneurial daughters because I have four girls and I tell lots of girls stories. And yet they're just five principles that work no matter who you are. You made a mention to tuning into the frequency of what brings you energy. And that really connected with me. And Can you help us unpack a little bit? What do you mean by tuning into the frequency of what brings you energy? Well, even before I think we can do that, it's go back to the question of, do I have enough margin? Do I have enough white space in my life? Right? We have to start with, is there space to even listen to what's going on inside? Because I think for a lot of us, we schedule ourselves so tight that white space is nowhere to be found. It's why when you're driving or in the shower, you feel like you have a good idea because it's the only space for most of us that it's allowed to come. But other than that, we're doing something for someone, we're working, or if we're unproductive, we feel guilty. So I think even reframing, no, this is self-care, this is taking care of me. If you look at it like a Warren Buffett, he spends three to four hours of his day thinking. So do you have any time carved out, whether that's taking a walk or making time coffee with yourself at a journal? And not discounting that as a luxury, but actually a maintenance item for yourself, right? So I talk about this a lot with the G of grace and self-compassion that I think there are a lot of things that we see as luxuries that are actually maintenance. So we would take our car in to get serviced and get the oil changed. But what are the things for us that we're doing intentionally to create spaces for this to happen? So When's the last time you had a massage? When's the last time you went to a chiropractor or looked up, hey, what vitamins do I need to be taking in this season of life? Am I moving my body? Am I getting fresh air? With so many people working at home and on Zoom, like lots of people aren't even getting outside anymore. I knew I caught myself in those cycles of like, oh my gosh, I have not even left my house today. Like that's terrible. These are ways that we have grace for ourselves. They're also ways that we are modeling for the next generation. We're normalizing things. So what do we want to model? Am I modeling the kind of adult that I want my child to be through these things? So by creating some of that space to say, hey, mom, I'm important enough to carve out that white space to be able to listen to what's going on like to feel the feelings. Three journaling questions that have been really impactful for me that came from one of my mentors is simply what I did, what I thought, and what I felt. So for anybody that's like, I've never journaled, I don't know how to, I don't know what to, great. Three questions. It doesn't have to take long. But just write about what you did, what you thought about it, and what you felt about it. Because the crazy thing is, is that most adults, when asked to name feelings, can only name four or five maybe 10 if they're really, really out there, right? But like there are so many words for feelings that we don't even know how to name them. So what would happen if we started to actually have a new vocabulary around naming the feelings that we're feeling and really just putting words to it and then like being honest about what we feel about things? We'd probably make different choices. Yeah. What are some of the feelings you may have discovered through this journey of yours that maybe were dormant or that just we didn't realize before? Oh, gosh. 
I think even starting to name some of the yuck feelings, right? Like things that are good that might be exhausting to us. Well, this is a good thing, but I'm exhausted. So is it a choice I really want to make? And I actually, I'll tell a story about my daughter, Annika. She is 13. And just this past weekend, she got invited to do some really cool stuff. And she got invited to a birthday party with pickleball and a sleepover. And then she was invited to the next day, go to like the biggest water park in, might be in the country. I don't know. It's like, it's giant indoor water park. That's absolutely insane. If you're ever in Austin, you should go. And like, it's a big treat to go there. It's not an inexpensive day. And she was invited with a group of friends to go. And she took the longest time to get back to me on the birthday party. She's like, well, I definitely won't sleep over, but I want to go and I want to celebrate my friends. So she went to the birthday party and she was a hard no on the water park. I was like, Annika, what's going on for you? Can you help walk me through this? Because inside I could feel my own mom coming out which my own mom would have said to me like, no, you go. Like, this is an opportunity. Like, you go. Who says no to something like this, right? So I'm hearing my own, my mom come to me and then like what I wanted to say to her. And I was like, okay, Alice, just be quiet. Like, get really curious because she's being really intentional and I want to understand. Going into curiosity instead of making a judgment about it, right? Because how quick are we to say things like, you never want to do stuff like this. Why are you so boring? And instead I got curious and the answers that I got were, so beautiful because I realized I was actually envious that she was so in tune with herself to know that she needed white space. She's like, you know what? I need some time. I'm a little peopled out. I've been with my friends all week at school and I know that that's going to drain me. It would be really fun and I would be drained. I don't want to feel like that. I got schooled by my 13 year old. I was so glad to like have that interaction because what I realized was I need to do that more. And Seth and I talked about it. We were driving to church and we're talking about it. I can't believe she said no to go into Kalahari. And I respect her so much for making that decision and being able to verbalize that. Because I never at 13 would have been able to verbalize it. At 45, still have a hard time working on it. And what a gift if we could know that about ourselves, but we can't know it unless we carve out the space to know what we need. Because some people might need 20 minutes. Some people might need two hours to get refueled and recharged and to be in tune. But if you've not had that practice of sitting with yourself, I think so much of it is we're scared of what we might find. We have to ask for questions and knowing if I'm going to like the answer. But you've trained yourself now to ask the questions, even though it's hard, you ask the questions, you're open to whatever feeling may come up, even the yuck feeling, even what might be a negative feeling, you're open to it now. You're curious. Because it's truth, right? Like, so if we're looking to be the word authentic, like we heard thrown out a lot of times right now, like being authentic and it's like, okay, if we want to be the authentic versions of ourselves, we have to start getting honest about who we are and what's there. Like what brings us joy? The same thing that brings me joy is not going to be the same thing that brings other people in my family joy. And that's okay. But to know that about myself and then to know that about the people that I care about most, we can love each other in a more authentic, real way because we can accept like, hey, this is how I am. This is how you are. And I know the love languages of my kids and we can talk to each other in a, you know, like, gosh, quality time is not my love language. And putting a date with my 17-year-old to go to Juiceland every Saturday for an hour, like, that's her love language, quality time. I'm like, okay, so I have to actually schedule it, but it speaks to her, right? And she knows it's not mine. So it makes it that much more valuable to her because she knows like, yeah, mom's crawling out of her little her little box to like come do quality time with me. And so it means more knowing that we're speaking each other's languages. 
Amazing. So now that you're here, you're asking the hard questions, you've reinvented and discovered Alice Daly and had some amazing adventures along the way. What happens next? What's inspiring and what's the authentic Alice doing now and the rest of today or the rest of this year? What's next? I remember asking this question to a friend when we were thinking about moving to Austin. I was like, what the heck do I do? Like, what am I going to tell my clients in Baltimore about moving to Austin? And without skipping a beat, she said, you tell them you're living your dream and you want to help them live theirs too. So this season of life is about helping particularly other women, other moms find this place and live from there. I want to help other moms get free and create some of the space, create the conversation first with yourself, with other moms, and then we can take it to our kids. But this isn't a go fix your kids. This is a, how do I want to show up? So things that we're developing, there's a course that's out. There's a self-study course. There's group coaching. There's a mastermind of entrepreneurial moms happening all around these magic topics of model, affirm, grace, inquire, coach. And I found through all of this that, you know, my number one core value is community which you experienced having come to our house. I just want to keep tapping back into those things to create space for these conversations to happen. Because I think one of the scary things is I don't want to go through this by myself, right? I wish I had had a community to lean into in 2018 as I was asking these questions because I was scared to ask them. Especially as an entrepreneur, when you feel like everybody's a potential client or I don't want somebody to think ill of me because I'm going through this, where do you talk about this as an entrepreneur? as a mom, because there are unique challenges as a woman and as a mom in the entrepreneurial space. Well, now that you're on the other side of this or in it, whereas before you didn't talk about it, were some of those fears that you had originally, were those unfounded or did some of those fears come true? I mean, because I think a lot of this is we're scared of what others might think, or we're scared it might damage this relationship we have with client, with school, with whatever. Did all the fears come true or are they just morphed into something more beautiful or more you? How do you think about that? Some of those things did come true because some people, you know, couldn't accept the move that we decided to make and, or didn't understand it or made their own judgments that I don't even know what they were. And yeah, are some relationships not as I had hoped? And I'm glad that it hurts because if it doesn't hurt, then that means I'm not feeling real feelings. And yeah, does it hurt? Absolutely. Yet, what there was to gain on the other side, getting to be me and showing up more as myself and having my days structured, doing more of the things that light me up and bring me joy and that are bringing joy to other people. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Relationships all have an expiration date. Some are there forever and some are there for different seasons. And when you can start to even hold that with an open hand, I think we just open up so much more opportunity. The world just gets so big. Absolutely. As your world has expanded and now you're expanding in the worlds of other women and moms who want to take this leap and maybe they just needed a little bit of a nudge or they need to see that someone else did it, that it is possible. They can do it too. You've inspired them for that. If they want to take that leap, if there's a mom out there or if there's a dad or a husband or significant other listening to this podcast and they want to connect with you or want to send their significant other, their mom to you, how would we make that happen? And what would be in store for that mom? I love that you asked about the husbands and the dads, because I think they play a major role in this in encouraging mom to go do stuff because she won't naturally say, Hey, this is something I need. So ask the question like, Hey, what would you need in the season? You know what? Not even need because a mom won't even say need, right? What would be fun for you? What would bring you joy? Like what if you had a community, right? Because we put so much pressure on ourselves to make it work or, well, it's not a need, so I'm not going to go do it. 
So the role of dad and husband and all of this, I think is massive. Secondly, connect by obviously getting the book, which did hit Wall Street uh, Journal, which was really awesome. Didn't see that coming. So we got that. Go pick up a copy of the book if you haven't already. Connect on Instagram for sure, Alice Daly. And the website is going to have all the places you can get connected. And I've got crazy spellings on both of those names. So A-L-Y-C-E-D-A-I-L-E-Y, alicedaily.com. And then we've got a Facebook Magic Mom community. So connect into the community, ask questions, come share, and then would love to see you in group coaching or private consulting or in the Magic Mom Mastermind. Wow. So many ways to connect. Great. I think that you've inspired us on this journey. I think that you have modeled it quite well. Everything you're talking about is modeling exactly the obstacle they all have to face. We all have to face. And you faced it. And you did it. It doesn't matter where you sit on the scale of life. If there's an emptiness inside, be curious. Ask the tough question because you can do it. You can make that shift and find what's most important. And in your case, find it and then find a way to use it to help inspire and help other people find that same place. I would ask you, who were you looking for for this group? I think you just described it with your story. Someone who is a mom who is looking to discover herself, to find space to pour back into herself. And that makes me as a magic dad, maybe. I would go back to that quote of Carl Jung, right? Like the greatest burden on a child is the unlived life of a parent. How fully mom are you living life right now? And if your answer to that is anything less than, you know, hey, I'm at 100% living completely fully, then yeah, let's have a conversation. Because your kids need to see you living a full life. You're really going to want to show them a life that's fully lived. Because if they don't see you living it, we're just going to continue to perpetuate it. And I'm not willing to do that. I want my kids to be able to say, oh my gosh, my mom lived fully. And it was awesome. And I'm going to go do the same thing. It's interesting when we have some podcast conversations that sometimes the magic comes out in the first minute. Sometimes it comes out the last, but there's always nuggets sprinkled and that's a sprinkle right there. Your kids need to see you living a full life, you know, and you've talked about modeling earlier in our discussion, but the way you just said it right there really hit me like a Mack truck. Your kids need to see you living a full life. It makes me want to uh, go outside and get some fresh air. It makes me want to model more for them. This has been very inspirational. They're too busy watching us to listen to anything we have to say. So just go be instead of the doing. Well, this has been amazing, Alice. I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. And to everyone who's listening, you can go to the show notes. You can find links to the Magic Mom book, to Alice's Facebook group, the Magic Mom group, and to Instagram in any other way. We'll have all that in the show notes. So thank you, Alice, for joining us today. It's been inspirational. I've got a couple last questions for you in the lightning round to wrap things up. I'd love to ask you... What is eternal optimism? What does that mean to you? Somebody who's able to reframe any situation because there's good and bad in everything. It's just the nature of how things are. So how are you going to choose to look at it? Awesome. Someone who can reframe and choose from the good or the bad. How are you going to choose to reframe? Love it. Thank you. I'd go to what's a favorite movie or song that has inspired you or that gets you magic mode? That's so easy. The Greatest Showman my absolute favorite movie. And I love all the songs, but This Is Me has been a really impactful song in the last several years for me. So This Is Me and I really love Come Alive too, but the whole soundtrack is unbelievable. And when that movie came out, I remember the night that Julie and I watched that movie was the first time I'd actually cried in some time. And it was the end scene 
with them just sitting there watching. I'm getting goosebumps saying it out loud, watching their daughters on stage perform. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. We're going to play that in our three-hour car ride today, the soundtrack. Actually, I've only bought one soundtrack on iTunes in the last few years. That was it. I'm so glad you said that. Thank you. Help us with a book. Any book that you have read that's inspired you or something you might be reading now. Oh my gosh, so many books. Well, then name three of them for us then. I see you looking. You've got a ton of them on the shelf over there. You don't even know what's like surrounding me right now. These are some weird ones, but I love The Road Less Stupid, Keith Cunningham. Literally, that's the book that's sitting right here next to me. Literally, right here. One of my favorites. I love Atomic Habits. Again, super weird one, but like that one gets me and I'll do a shift. So those are two more on the intellectual side. Kelly Flanagan's book, Lovable. He's a psychologist and has become a friend. But that book, Lovable, just it's one of those that needs to be an Oprah book. The whole world needs to be. I am very pleased that you said books that have really impacted my life in a major way. Lovable. Kelly Flanagan, amazing. I just had him on the show. His episode's going to air, like uh, I think, a couple before yours. And to have you guys in the same month, I'm sure it'll be meaningful to him when he hears that his book was meaningful to you, Alice. Awesome. Well, this has just been delightful. I appreciate you joining us today. I appreciate the, the laughter. and I appreciate the places where it was hard because through that challenge, You've now rediscovered, reinvented, or impacting the world, your family, many, many people in a positive way. So just thank you from the bottom of my heart for showing up today. We love you. We appreciate you here. So thank you, Alice. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.